Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Mindy Jensen. She is the co-host of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Uh, she is also the author of the new book, First Time Home Buyer. Uh, Bigger Pockets just published a phenomenal book. And we get into really some really neat things on today's episode with Mindy. And we talk mostly about you know, the, just the market and the fact that, you know, there's people that are buying homes and they're uneducated. So we get into kind of specifics around that. We really talk a lot about the power of knowing where you are in the emotional kind of scaling as you're looking to buy property, not only not, not only is it critical to be educated, which we go through and some important things you should be waiving during this process, but, but also most importantly, not getting wrapped up in the emotions. And we do talk about that. And we all need to be reminded of that. Investors are, are, are you know, residential home buyers, regardless of who you are and why you're buying, you've got to be reminded of that. And we talk a lot about that today. Absolutely. So as Liz said, regardless of if you're an investor or first time home buyer, you should not be relying on your realtor for everything, right? There's great realtors out there and there's not so great realtors are there, right? Not informed. So um, this is a book that you can visit at different times to really understand the process and take ownership of it, right? Not relying on one lender or why should I waive things that I shouldn't be doing it? The impact of that, when to wait and when to pull the trigger. This is full of information and I cannot wait to hear from you. What do you think about it? You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. 
Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. We are excited and pumped always to share with you what we're what we're all up to here with our with our mission to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. And we are so excited to have Mindy Jensen on our show today. Mindy, welcome to our show. I should say Thank welcome you back. for having me. I love what you're doing to help women realize that yes, you can be in real estate even if you're the only woman in the room. Love it. Oh, you like that little that little plug there. I love it. Mindy, Mindy is always always has a special place in our heart because we love Mindy. Yes. But she was our first guest of our show. So if you have not listened to uh, that episode, it's it's episode of what we were we were the first guest, me and Andresa, but the first guest guest uh, was was Mindy. We were really pleased to have you back here. And we a lot of exciting things happening for her. And we'll get to that in a moment. But we always like to do is just get connected to all you amazing women listening and just share with you a tip, uh, idea, something that's coming up for us that that's in our lives that hopefully we can share and, and, and inspire you as well. So, Andressa, what is, what is happening for you? Well, so another day I was uh, reading about Elon Musk, right? owner of Tesla, and I can go on and on about who this guy is. But I'm not going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about his mom because I didn't know about her mm-hmm. and what she did or didn't do and that it really impacted uh, how he grew up and everything. His mom is 72. She's a model. She's like beautiful. But more than that, she's super wise because her parents took her and the kids to a trip, uh, like a road trip where they went to the desert and they had to live there strategically with very little. So they grew up being very creative and risk takers. And she said, my kids um, are not afraid. So they take risk. And after Elon sold PayPal, he came to her and said, what should I go now? Should I start, you know, doing solar panel? How about electric car or rocket ship? And she's like, maybe pick one thing. And she said, obviously he didn't do it because he always was like this, you know, entrepreneur by heart, thank God. So, but I supported him. And one thing that she said that we can all apply to real estate is that when he was uh, doing the first test for the rocket ship and they were all exploding, she got that sense of failure, right? I'm failing over here. And he always came to her super excited after. And he was like, mom, now we know why exploded. Let's try again and again and again and again. And why I'm telling you this is that I keep thinking like he exploded a freaking rocket ship. How many millions of dollars is that? Like time consuming and right. I'll be like, ah, disappointed in me. And many of us, when a deal doesn't go right or, oh, this was not a home run. I made less. And we are so disappointed and hard on ourselves. Think about Elon Musk exploding (laughs) rocket ships. Figure it out what went wrong. Take responsibility of what went wrong. Because if you don't take a deep breath and reevaluate what went right, 
in your partnerships, in your projects, in your processes, everything else, you won't be able to improve moving forward in business. And doesn't matter what it is, if it is a house, a rental, whatever it is, but Love that. just Love keep that. that in mind, keep about, you know, keep the rocket ship exploding in your head when something doesn't go right. <laughs> That's perspective, right? Jeez, make, makes my failures look pretty small. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know, you were telling that story and I started thinking of Thomas Edison. Uh, I First right? of all, I would love somebody to write a book, of, a historical fiction book of Thomas Edison traveling forward and meeting Elon Musk or Elon Musk oh, be traveling cool. backwards and meeting Thomas Edison. But Thomas Edison said, I went through 10,000 different materials for the light bulb. And wow, don't you feel like a failure? And he said, no, I just found 10,000 ways that don't work. I'm still <laughs> looking for the one that does. And that's, I don't, I, I don't know that I could explode a million dollar rocket ship or multi-million dollar rocket ship and be like, hey, hey on to the next one. I would yeah. feel horrible, but it does put it into perspective. Wow, I lost, you know, I lost out on a deal. Well, it wasn't really that great of a deal anyway for somebody else to buy and beat me on it. So I'll just find the next one. That's not exactly. nearly the same as a couple million dollars of rocket ship. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it does put it in perspective and it just makes you feel like, okay, I want to create more opportunities for my kids to feel that creativity. And, and you know, so that, that was the part that I took away too. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go to a desert with my kids. <laughs> That's a yes. idea. But anyway, thing. anyway, without further ado, Mindy, um, thanks so much for coming back on our show. You're doing a lot of amazing things. Um, we, we share your bio. You, we've already shared your bio, what, what you're up to in terms of real estate and, uh, and, and your, your amazingness over at Picker Pockets. You just came out of the book um, and, and it's, it's, it's called The First Time Home Buyer, The Complete Playbook to Avoiding Ricky Mistakes, which I love the title of. Uh, you know, we want to get into a lot of different things here with you, but I'd like you to start. Um, what inspired you to write this book? Let's let's go there first, and then we'll go into some really specifics uh, for um, giving giving women the, some some tips and, and tricks here. So I'm a real estate agent, and I am also an investor. I'm actually an investor first. I've been investing for 20 plus years. I've been a real estate agent for like seven. And when I was going through purchasing houses, when I wasn't an agent, I would see things and have questions about them and be like, hmm, my agent never told me anything about this. And a few years ago, I was reading an article from Morgan Housel, who writes for the Wall Street Journal. And he said, he writes about money. That's his whole job. He's like really smart. He said, when I went through and bought my first house, every time my lender or my agent would say something or ask me a question, would be like, I have no idea. I have to go Google this. I have to go do a lot of research. And he's Morgan Housel. I couldn't believe I knew something that Morgan Housel didn't know. And he said he had to go do research. I wanted a place where people could go and find all the things because it isn't, buying a house isn't like anything else. There are terms in the process of buying a house that mean one thing in English, but one thing very different thing in real estate legalese. And I wanted to open this up to people and share with them, this is how you do it. It's really, really easy to find an agent who's done it a lot and has forgotten the basics, or they know that you have to get title insurance and they don't explain 
what title insurance is or why you have to get it. They know that you need to get your policy and the lender's policy, but they don't explain it. And maybe you don't feel that you need to get both because, oh, of course, if the lender's insured, then I'm insured too. And there's just a lot of things that you don't know and you don't know what you don't know. So I can't be everybody's agent. So I wrote a book with uh, my podcast partner, Scott Trench, to tell you all the things that you need to know when buying a house, when considering should I buy a house and how to find a house when you're not sure exactly what you need. I love that. And I got a chance to read through, scan very quickly uh, through the book. And it's, it's, it's fun. The language and the examples is fun to, to, to read. And, but I like the way that you're saying it is something that I can look back and say, wait a minute, let me take a look and, and see if I'm missing there. But what caught my attention is at the beginning, you guys talk about the American way of purchasing nowadays or this culture of, of owning, owning a house. So let's talk about that. Uh, the mentality of, of purchasing a house, especially nowadays, the market that we are right now, that it is insanity, um, how quick houses are being sold. So let's talk about the, the, the pattern, right? How people have been purchasing houses and why is that a problem? Right now, I think there are a multitude of things kind of swirling around to create this horrible market that we're in if you're a buyer. If you're a seller, it is an awesome market to be in because you put your house on the market, you sit back and you just wait for all the offers to pour in. But we're not talking about sellers right now. Sellers can go and if you have problems selling, there's a fundamental issue with your house. Even the houses that back up to train tracks, active train tracks are selling because there's nothing else on the market. Um, I can do a search on my local MLS and on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, houses are listed, showing start on Friday. There's 15 or 30 minute showing windows where there used to be an hour showing window. Now it's 15 or 30 minutes on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All offers are due Sunday night or Monday morning with a response of Monday night or Tuesday morning. Everything that came on the market on Wednesday or Thursday is under contract by the end of Wednesday. And that is exceptionally difficult to compete in. And frankly, if you are trying to buy a house, you may be up, you may, you are up against people who don't have the same needs that you do. If you're looking to buy a primary residence, you don't need it to cash flow. If you're looking to buy a rental, maybe you don't need it to be beautiful on the inside. If you're looking to buy an investment because you live in Japan, where you can write off 25% of that property's value in depreciation every year against your Japanese taxes, you can afford to overpay because you're reaping so many different rewards on the back end. We just spoke to somebody, I didn't even know that existed uh, because why would my American real estate have anything to do with the taxes that I owe in Japan? Um, but that's a thing. If your house is more than 20 years old in Japan, you can depreciate 25% of it. So let's say I buy a million dollar house, even though it's only worth 900,000. I'm getting $250,000 reduced on my Japanese taxes. And of course, I'm oversimplifying this. I don't pay taxes in Japan. I have no idea what's really going on there. But 
$250,000 a year is really worth more to me than that extra 100,000 that I paid for it. Because in four years when I've depreciated that property, then I put it back on the market, sell it, get all my money back and go buy another one. So how can I the person who needs local cash flow because I'm an investor starting out, or I, a person who needs a place to live in, how can I compete with that? And you're not necessarily competing with those people all the time, but there's a lot more at play. So right now is a horrible, horrible market to try to jump into, but that doesn't mean you can't still be looking, paying for, paying attention and buying if it makes sense. So- I, I guess the, then it's like more a mental game and correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, as quote unquote investors, we know better that we should not be renting for ourselves. So let's say I'm looking to to buy a property, but I understand this market. This is a seller's market. So I have that understanding and I don't want to overpay. I want to find something to add value, refinance, cash that out and reinvest the money. So would you recommend renting until, I guess you don't know, you don't know when that will happen, but would you recommend renting until things come down a little bit more? Is there like, then it comes to back to the mental, oh, purchase versus renting it. Is like strategically right now, if you're competing, if you're somebody that needs a house, but you're competing with folks that not necessarily need it so they can pay more, would you wait until that happens? I would watch the market very carefully, but I would also be prepared to wait until a property came along at a price that made sense to me. And this is where we get into kind of a, a... a quandary because a property is worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. And a property will appraise based on recently sold properties. So are these markets being pushed up in a way that they will never be able to, you know, a a year ago, you could get a really great deal on a house and now you can't, I mean, there's just limited inventory. In February and March, I, I was seeing almost nothing on the market. It was literally everything would be off the market. It would be on the market for 10 days and then it's off unless it was, you know, like a really weird property. Like it was an income restricted location. Those are going to take a little bit longer to sell. There's a one mobile home park in my area where the uh, properties are sold by the person, not the they're not owned by the park itself. So those will come on the market. But again, that's a very limited um, market that people are wanting to live in. And, you know, the more than $2 million, those houses will sit a little bit longer just because you've got such a small pool of people purchasing. I am now starting to see a little bit more inventory on the market. Things might go under contract in, you know, eight to 10 days instead of, three to four days, we might have, you know, 25 or 30 properties on the market on Saturday instead of 12. So I am seeing more opportunity and I'm seeing sold prices instead of being 30 and 50,000 over asking, I'm seeing them more like 10 
15, 20 over asking. So I think it's starting to normalize a little bit. Plus when you are sitting there thinking, hmm, I, maybe I want to sell in a few years. Wait, my neighbor just sold their house for $50,000 more than they were asking. And I thought their asking price was ridiculous. I'm going to put my house on the market too. So I think we're starting to see more inventory. It couldn't continue the way that it was. Right. That's not a normal market. That's not a healthy market and it wouldn't have continued. But I think right now, don't make irrational decisions based on emotion. If you need a place to live, rent. Rent for as long as it makes sense. And in, in some markets, it doesn't make sense to buy hardly ever. I mean, New York City, San Francisco, those markets are really, really expensive. And what you can get for when you're renting is in many cases, it's cheaper to rent than it is to pay a mortgage payment. So, you know, don't make yourself crazy by trying to buy something and don't get caught up in the whirlwind and, you know, oh, I have to win the bidding war. You don't, you can totally be calm and just wait for it to happen. Right. Because if you're in a bidding war, what are you going to want to do? Win it. Right. And then it just starts to, and it's just a slippery slope of overpaying. What, what other mistakes that you've found to see whether it's an investor or it's a, you know, first time, it's a first time home buyer, whether it's an investor or, you know, someone wanting to, to actually live there and make it their, their family home. What are the biggest mistakes to, to avoid when, when, you know, making that purchase, especially in, in today's market, obviously overpaying is one of them. What are, what are the mistakes that you have, have experienced and, and other things that you can help, you know, women listening, try to avoid? Don't get emotionally invested in a property that you do not yet own. How many times have you gone to an open house and you just, oh, I love this house. I really want to buy this house. It's not like there's a one house on the planet that will be your perfect house. There's a hundred thousand houses you could buy that maybe not that many in your market, but there's, there's more than one house that will be your dream house. And if you buy a house that isn't your dream house, you can make it your dream house. There's always ways to add on and change and make it yours. Falling in love with the property before you own it is detrimental to your financial success because there's always going to be another one. If you're looking for a rental property, you should just look for a house that isn't weird. You know, you've been in those houses. You're <laughs> what like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've all been in that house where from the outside, maybe it looks okay or maybe it looks super weird on the outside. And you walk in, you're like, I can't figure this house out. Like, I should be able to know where the kitchen is when I walk in the front door. Yeah. Oh, it's either this way or this way. Okay, that's fine. But, oh, it's neither this way nor that way. Where's the kitchen? It's in the basement. That's a weird house. People don't want to live in weird houses. They might rent your weird house for a short time, but they're going to go and find a house that isn't weird. Um, So don't buy a weird house just to get a house. Don't buy on a busy street just to get a house. You know, buy a house that makes sense even if it's going to be a rental, the nicer your rental, the easier it is going to be to, to rent out. And, you know, I don't love houses on busy streets at all. You know, Mindy, sometimes people believe that, oh, this is going to be my house, period, that they're going to live there for ever. Uh, so they don't go in looking at it as an investment. They don't think about 
different exit strategies. So that's what I want to talk about, right? Uh, do we always need to think about different exit strategies when we go in? Well, if you want to make a smart financial decision, yes. If you want to just, you know, wing <laughs> just it. Just want to then... play with my money. Go to <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, thinking about your exit strategy before you buy the house is the best way to set yourself up for financial success. If you are buying a house that's gorgeous and amazing and perfect in every way, and it's already done and it's turnkey, how much can you rent it for? There's not really any way to force appreciation unless you're adding onto it on the outside, which is quite the endeavor. So if you're buying a two bedroom, one bath, perfect house and turning it into more of house, like, like, you know, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, two bathrooms is always better than one. If you're turning, if you're you know buying it with that idea in mind, how much are you going to be able to put into it and still have it? cash flow and still have it, you know, I flip houses. So I buy the two bedroom, one bath and turn it into a four bedroom, three bath, which is a much more desirable layout. But I also buy really low so that I can add value and can add sometimes space and make it a better, more desirable property. But I'm thinking about what I'm going to sell it for. I bought uh, my current house is a like weird split level with a pool in a place of the world that doesn't have pools. So we were able to get it for a really low price because nobody wants a pool. The pool had some issues. It needed a lot of work, but it still holds water. And I don't care when all those issues come up. I mean, they said it was going to be something like $30,000 to fix I'm like, or $5,000 to fill in. So <laughs> I might just do that. But it was filled with smoke. It was old and outdated. I know because I've done it in the past, I know that there, this property needs about $50,000 worth of work, not including that pool, which will never see 30,000 of my dollars. Um, <laughs> but it will be a wonderful house. It's in a cookie cutter neighborhood. The house, the same layout around the corner just sold for $598. And I bought my house for $365. There's a huge spread. I know that I can move in, live there for a while, and then sell it. I mean, and of course, there is no guarantee that your real estate is going to go up. But if the one around the corner just sold for $598, that tells me there's a lot of room for improvement. And of course, it was beautiful. It had a lot of amazing things. My house was disgusting and didn't have any amazing things. And we've started to slowly add to them. Um, the same with, with a rental property. I could rent this house out based on what I owe, or I'm sorry, based on what I paid and what I will have into it, it'll still make really good money when I go to rent it out, if that's my choice. So if I were to buy the 598 house, there's no room to make it better. There's, there's no way I'm getting $6,000 a month for that house. I mean, I might get, I might get three, three and a half for that house if I rented it out. So, you know, buying, it, it, they don't have to do any work to it. So it's a lot easier for those people to live in that house and it's already perfect, but I don't mind a little bit of work. And, you know, you don't have to go all out. It can be just replacing the flooring and painting the walls, hanging up new cabinets in the kitchen, which is not that hard to do. It's, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do to a house 
to force some appreciation, which gives you a better opportunity to make more money when you go to sell it. But thinking about all the different things you can do after you're no longer living there is the best way to approach purchasing the house. Yeah. And it's, well, what a mindset. Think about the mindset. Where are people learning this information? Obviously, that's why the, you know, your book and just what Bigger Pockets does and just all the education out there is amazing. What we're doing with our communities, but it's just where do people, it's unfortunate, right? Because your, your normal couple looking for a home is, doesn't know any of this stuff, right? They're literally just been kind of like told to go look for their, for their for, you know, first time home. And it's just interesting, unless you seek it, right? Unless you seek it out purposely and intentionally, the, the knowledge isn't always taught in our, our normal world, if you will. <laughs> it's like the normal world and then the underground world. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? It's like, not that we're in an underground world. Totally random. But my point is just that it's you just it's unfortunate that more of this is not being taught in, in kind of like mainstream, if you will. And, um, and it should be. And, and as investors, when we were looking for our primary residence to live in, that was the only property we were looking for was something that I could add value to. There was no way like Matt and I were going to um, buy a home that we just couldn't add any sort of value to. We bought a foreclosure. I mean, and I'm just itching to sell this house right now. I really am. I really am. But I I'm know. Like, I was like, hold just it. Like, <laughs> I, just, I had thought, you know, we interviewed someone else that's, you know, um, April who's living in an RV. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know, man. I'm going to sell my house. I can get just a great price for it. But the investor in me and the homeowner in me, I want to go keep in this community and I want to raise my kids here and all that good stuff. That's like literally the only reason I'm not selling my house tomorrow. But I had a point what I was saying, but about mainstream education. And I think that's what's great about this book that you guys, you know, that you, you, you put together and you've authored and released. So I'm, I'm a homeowner and how do I start to understand some of these things? Like, of like you're saying, like, I'm just, you know, Joe and Jenny, and I want to buy that home. How do I start running comps on, on for rentals? And why would I need to think about that? And, and know this whole process and not just rely on my agent. Like, why is it so important that people take the ownership to themselves? I think that's a really important question. Your agent is not going to be writing your mortgage payments. Your agent is not going to be paying your bills or helping you find renters. Most likely your agent is there to help you buy the house. If you want to set yourself up for success, you need to start asking questions and being comfortable asking questions. Who cares if your agent thinks, oh, what an idiot. She doesn't know this. I don't know this. I need the information. So I need to ask. And I think a lot of people, both men and women are afraid to say, I don't know this information. It's okay to not know something. Just ask the question. As an agent, if somebody asks me, what does title insurance mean? I don't instantly think, oh, what a loser. I think, oh, let me explain this to you because I want you to make the smartest choice. Like I said before, I can't be everybody's agent. So that's why I wrote the book. Read, do research, look things up. Um, The whole reason I wrote the book was because Morgan Housel said, I didn't know any of this stuff. And I think there's this, this, I feel bad that I don't know it mentality with everybody. Oh, I'm an adult. Therefore I should know how to buy a house. Well, I'm an adult. Do I know how to do open heart surgery? No. You know why? Because I never learned it. That doesn't make me stupid. That makes me not an open heart surgeon. So if you are not a house buyer, of, I mean, and who buys houses all the time? Just those weirdo investors, right? 
<laughs> and even then they still make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but you, when you ask and you talk to people and you learn your, your, uh, experience and my experience, it's just very, very helpful to building your foundation and your group, your investors, Facebook group is fabulous. People come in there. I'm sorry. Women come in there and ask a question and they get an answer. They don't get, oh, you're such an idiot for not knowing this. It's okay that you don't know, but it's not okay to continue to fly by the seat of your pants and make uninformed decisions because you don't want to ask for help. Your yeah. agent is going to answer all the questions that you have. And if they don't, they shouldn't be your agent. Go to the investors group, read the book, listen to the podcasts, just continue to consume information all the time. Yeah. And, and it comes down to taking responsibility and ownership, right? Instead yes. of just relying on this, you know, putting the, your realtor on a pedestal and then blaming him or her if things don't go your way. I want to talk about lenders right now, right? If you're, if you don't know anything, you're going to ask your realtor for a lender recommendation. And that's going to be that one lender that you're going to go and run through it and everything is going to look fine because you don't know better or you didn't even compare. And, you know, one, one side is you don't want to, on the other side, you also don't want to be shopping with a hundred thousand lenders and getting your credit run by all of them. So where can we find in like the, the middle ground? What would you say are the, the best strategies to vet and select a lender? So I had a lender. I went through lendingtree.com. When banks compete, you win. And my lender was my go-to lender for 11 years. I would call him up. I would get a quote. I would also call other places, get quotes. He had the best rates and the best closing costs out of anybody that I talked to for 11 years, but he didn't work nights and weekends. He didn't, I didn't have a cell phone number. And as an agent, I need to be able to contact my lender. I'm working nights and weekends because I'm an agent. You work when your clients are off of work, which is nights and weekends. So when I can't reach you until Monday morning at nine o'clock, that makes it really difficult for me to make these quick offers over the weekend when properties need to be done. Um, a lot of agents are listing agents are saying, I need a pre-approval letter with the offer. I won't even look at your offer if it doesn't have one. Oh, okay. Then I need to get one. Um, I called a friend because I had a client who was using a VA loan, which is not something I do a lot of. My area just doesn't have military bases and it's not a thing. So I called up my friend who's in the military. I said, Hey, do you know a good VA lender? He said, Oh, my friend, John, John is amazing. So I called up John. I don't even know John's office number. I know his email address and I have his cell phone number and I can text him. I'm mindful of the fact that he does sometimes sleep, but I can text him <laughs> almost any time and say, can you give me a pre-approval for this person? And he does. He's got great rates. He's got great closing costs, but he's available all the time. As an investor, you need an agent who, or I'm sorry, a lender who is available all the time. And it does take a little bit of searching, but ask your friends. I mean, John was my great VA lender. 
And after we were done with that transaction, I asked him, do you do other types of loans? He said, we do everything. And every once in a while, I'll just throw it out there because I haven't done a USDA loan with him yet. So, hey, John, do you do a USDA loan? Yes, we do everything. And he's always on the ball. You want a lender who is responsive. If I, if he's waiting for my client to get him documents, I want to know about that so that I can harass my client too, because the whole thing rests on them getting him the documents. But finding a lender, I would say, absolutely talk to your talk to your investor friends, talk to your investors in the Facebook group. John's company is, is uh, licensed in all 50 states. So he can write a loan anywhere I need him to write a loan. I only sell in Colorado, but I've got other friends in other states and I always recommend him because he's so responsive. On Tuesdays, he calls me up with a recap. Even if it's just, hey, nothing's going on. Talk to you next Tuesday. I still know where I'm standing with all of my clients and with my loans too. So absolutely you need a responsive lender. And I mean, listen to me singing John's praises. I, it's not a competition. John can do 5 million loans at the same time. It's not like me recommending him to you isn't going to take anything away from his service to me. So I'm so excited to find somebody who is so responsive and does what he says he's going to do that I'm happy to tell everybody about it. And everybody who's got a great lender will say the same thing that I do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and I always say all lenders are not created equal because, you know, no matter if you have a W2 or not a W, I mean, you know, we bought our house two years ago, me and, you know, my, my husband and I are not the most traditional W-2, you know, here's our W-2 statement and <laughs> aren't we the most lendable people? Send like, me your like, resume. Yeah. I'm like, well, we got, we got other things going on. Hey, we're really good people. No, but we had to have a creative um, broker who was going to help us from, a, you know, really work with us from a lending perspective, right? Um, they're not all created equal. So, so, you know, ladies listening, you, you could talk to 10 lenders and, you know, eight out of the 10, well, we don't lend, we wouldn't, we wouldn't lend to you on that situation for that reason and to will. So again, you know, that that's important in this business because sometimes we're like, oh, all banks are created equal. All, all lenders are created equal. They're just, they're just not. And they all have different appetites for all different types of things. Um, you know, and that's the, that's the most important piece to it. And, and uh, you have to talk to the right people in the right departments. <laughs> I know it seems simple, but it, it, so many times we talk to women in our community and they're like, um, you know, I'm looking for, a multifamily and I talked to this residential, bro- I'm like, what? No, no, don't talk to them. They're not the right department. They're not the right people. So make sure you know who you're talking to. And to Mindy's point, right? I love that. Like responsiveness, right? Do they do they do what they say they're going to do? Like, wow, what a, what a concept, you know? But what a concept, right? But it's so <laughs> critical. I mean, I'm just no, for a house. I'm sorry. You're looking for a house right now, a personal yeah, residence. But I am refusing to overpay. I was like, I don't know who you guys are, but I can hold the pressure and just pull the trigger once the numbers make sense. I know that how much work this house needs in order for me to add value. There's no room over here and it's being sold. So I'm just holding, holding until I like pull, pull the trigger. I, I'm like watching it, but I like, no, you know, if I put my just like, homeowners had there's so much beautiful house out there and i was like oh that would be so great right yeah but my monthly payment would not be so great so it does not fit i want to live 
under my means because the financial freedom that I want and the life that I want, this is not it. So no, it will look beautiful. A uh, huge yard, an acre of yard. I was like, no, I'm thinking about the cost for maintaining the grass and everything else. So that's, that's where right. my, my head goes. <laughs> I love it. Um, Mindy, when it comes to like this market to as an agent, as an investor, what have you, have you found in terms of like creatively finding deals, right? Cause I'm always a, I'm always a fan that there's always opportunity, right? Even in a market today, uh, there are opportunities. And if you believe there aren't opportunities, guess what, everyone, there are no opportunities. So I happen to believe there are opportunities. I also believe that it may take some creative you know, strategies and, and some, some patience and all the other things we've talked about. What have you found even in your local market or what you've seen, you know, happening are some creative out of the box ways to, to be finding, uh, you know, opportunities right now? Oh boy. So out of the box opportunities are, uh, they're not so much out of the box. I mean, ask and tell, there's, there's, I wrote an article for Bigger Pockets a thousand years ago called Do Ask, Do Tell. Tell everybody you know that you're a real estate agent. Ask them if they know anybody who's selling a house. There's, um, uh, I have a Discord channel, which is kind of like Slack, but different, um, where there's a real estate channel and somebody posted, hey, is anybody interested in a property at this, on this street, my neighbor's getting ready to sell. Oh, I would love to talk about that. It's not on the market. She doesn't feel like she needs to pay a real estate agent commissions for that property. She can just list it and sell it. And so I went and looked at it and it's a little rougher than I want to be in, but just being open to people who may have deals. And when you say to somebody, I'm a real estate investor, they tuck that in the back of their mind. They might forget it's not, it shouldn't be the only thing you talk about, but it should absolutely be things that you talk about on a regular basis with people and not in a braggy way. Oh, I own 27 houses in this neighborhood. Just, you know, Hey, uh, have you heard anybody that is looking to move? I'd like to buy more properties, or I have a friend who'd like to buy more properties. Um, right now, I really want to say that there's some crazy, crazy, crazy properties going for ridiculous amounts of money. And I don't, you know, if you're just relying on the MLS, you might have a longer wait. Um, but I also like to say that the MLS is not dead yet. And if you take that as an acronym, it spells out Mindy. MLS <laughs> is not dead yet. So think of Mindy when you're looking for a house. Well, and there you go. that is where the bulk of properties are being sold is on the MLS, but absolutely look at realtor.com, look at Redfin, look at Trulia, look at any place you can find a property, go on Craigslist. I mean, maybe people aren't finding properties on Craigslist because nobody's looking on Craigslist. That doesn't mean people aren't advertising properties on Craigslist. Don't limit yourself to the MLS, but don't ignore the MLS either. And, you know, hold off a little bit. If it, the money, if the, the property doesn't make sense to purchase, play the Andressa game and don't buy a property just because you fell in love with it. I can't stress that part enough. I love the idea of just making sure you're telling everyone, right? And we all take it for granted. Like 
people don't wake up every day thinking about you and your real estate needs. Well, you know, I hate to say that crazy. I know, right? Mindy doesn't wake up thinking about, you know, how could it just does none of us do. We all have our worlds, right? Our kids, our life, our families, our 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 just our plates are spinning. So you have to stay in front of people in a way that remind them and do it differently. I'm, I'm a bit, we were talking about on a mastermind we were part of last night. Someone was talking about struggling with finding deals right now. That's a big topic that a lot of people are talking about. And what are you doing differently than other people? You know, so, so also think about that. Like, you know, if everyone's going right, how do you go left? I don't know what left is and I don't know what right is, but I do know when most people are going in one direction, it makes me want to go the other direction. And, 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 and so let's all get a little creative this, you know, to, to Elon Musk's mom's point, right? Like mm-hmm. let's think outside the box, you know, and, 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 and you got to spend time doing that. And you got to spend time doing it with people that know and have been there and can really, you know, lift you up versus, oh, there's no, there's no deals to be had right now. There's no Great. properties. Very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but that. Great. Spend time with people that say that there's no house around. Great. Helpful. Thanks. But I I remember I had coffee with you in the neighborhood that we, we, I want to buy. Yes. So yeah. So that's a good example. Listen, people, we don't just say things. We, we preach it. We do things. So I'm going to share something that probably nobody knows, but you know, so Liz and I met at the neighborhood that I want to buy in. We drove around. As we drove around, we had ideas and we start also putting out there into, into the universe and really like making affirmations. I got out. I already had ideas that I started implementing on my way back home and which are we start looking at the houses, everything for rent that I'm going to look and say if they're interested in selling everything that um, all local Facebook groups. I am part of, I'm asking mom's groups. I'm in school group. I'm in too. I'm telling the school, my son's going to, to study. Hey, by the way, I'm, I want to talk about your school, but by the way, I'm looking for a house and everywhere. And I'll church, start going to the church there, start talking to people at all times. So the more people, if I go to a store or, or something, I tell them, hi, can I have my coffee? By the way, I'm looking for a house. Do you know anybody? I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? I know that sometimes at some point it will happen, but start already brainstorming, visualizing you at the place that you want to be because it also helps that technical part. You do your part, but also like your energy. Right. Instead of saying, oh, this market, there's no houses on the market and all of that. That doesn't help. Right. So say I understand. And but the right house is going to show up and it's going to be a great, you know, opportunity for me to to create a home here. Yeah. That in mind. And that energy, that energy of getting excited. I got excited for you, right? Driving around. It was fun. Like we're looking at like, write that address down, write that address down. I was like, that's like our our, our jam, right? But you got to get into that space. And and to your point, Mindy, I mean, as you, as you helped so many homeowners, um, you know, what, what would you say is like one of the best things that, you know, you tell them, you're telling them right now, obviously telling everyone in, in terms of sourcing deals or being patient, but um you know, what, what are other things? I mean, like other strategies or, you know, I'm just curious as you're navigating with your homeowners, um, you're as your active homeowners, you know, anything else you're telling them, any other bits of advice you're telling them? 
you know, right now in this exact market, I am telling them do not waive the appraisal coverage. Do not waive your home inspection. Do not mm. offer so much over asking that you can't I see that a lot property. though. Yeah. So many people yeah. are doing that. Yeah. Crazy. That's, that is exactly what's things. happening. They are. So a, appraisal gap coverage means that if the house appraises at 425, but you offered 450, you're bringing $25,000 to the closing table. Your house just appraised at 425. Why are you paying 450 for it? And, but that's what people are doing to get into the homes. I am seeing people, even in the listings, in the broker's remarks, it says, if you are not willing to waive appraisal gap coverage, make that known in your offer. I'm not advising any of my clients because they can all wait until the market levels out a little bit more and evens out a little bit. It's not in their financial best interest to waive appraisal gap coverage and to um, waive the home inspection. Have you ever walked into a house and been like, I love it, I wanna buy it. And then the home inspector comes back and they're like, I don't know how it's still standing. Everything's wrong. You're gonna, it's gonna cost you $1,200 million to fix this house up. Um, watch the money pit, that movie with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long from the 80s. That's a great, that's a great movie. That will, that's what you're doing when you're waiving home inspection. And you're not protecting your financial best interest. It is, unless you are gonna take the property to the studs, you have no business waiving your home inspection. And if the seller doesn't want you to have a home inspection, what are they hiding? For sure. It is, and, and uh, you know, that is what is getting these properties sold is waiving the home inspection and covering the appraisal gap. But my people are still winning bids without doing that. Yes, we're writing a lot more offers than we're winning, but they are still buying a house, being able to inspect it and having it appraise. And honestly, I haven't had any problems with appraisals. I've heard some agents have had problems with appraisals. I haven't. Everything that I've been buying lately has appraised at or above what we offered, which is just shocking to me, but it works. And the lender will give you the loan based on the appraisal. So if you're covering the appraisal gap, you're bringing money to closing. I, lo I love what you're saying. And I, and I think that's one of the benefits of the book that you and Scott wrote, right? Because right now is the time to get educated. Right now, knowledge is going to be key. But at any time, knowledge is key. But especially now, if you're going to be like, okay, I'm not going to get caught up in the crazy emotion. I'm not going to be waiving things that financially are going to be detriment to me and my, my financial well-being. I'm going to get my SHIT in order and I'm going to know the process. And who knows, there might be opportunities in this. And that's why I love the timing of the book, right? Of your book, it's just perfect timing because we were just talking with some other uh, very savvy investors and people are like, you know what? If I'm not gonna be buying a bunch of property right now, I'm gonna be getting my processes in check. I'm gonna get my business more efficient and I'm gonna be educating myself. And that's what I love about the book that you guys put out. So excited for you. It's a phenomenal book, highly recommend. Mindy, where can the ladies listening learn more about you and follow you and all the great stuff? And you do live in flips. We didn't even get to that this episode, but you have such a great uh, background, but where can they learn more about you and connect with you further? I am all over biggerpockets.com. I am the host of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, and we have our own Facebook group called Bigger Pockets Money. And I am at anywhere that you can get your podcast is where you can find mine. I am all over the Facebook group as well. And I am at Mindy at BP on all the social media channels, except TikTok. 
uh, I don't know what my TikTok is because I don't use it, but uh, M-I-N-D-Y-A-T-B-P, like Mindy at BiggerPockets, um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And yeah, please reach out to me. I love to talk about real estate and I love to answer questions about real estate. Awesome. And all this information you guys are going to find on the show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Mindy, is what's the most transformational book you have ever read? The Richest Man in Babylon. And it was so transformational because it was so boring. It was so <laughs> normal. It was so non-groundbreaking. It was written a hundred years ago and everything in that book still holds true today. It is all about investing, spend less than you earn, invest intelligently with people who understand what they're doing. Um, make a, make a good plan. Oh my goodness. I'm, I haven't read it in a while and I'm losing, but like all the things that we all talk about is in this book that was written a hundred years ago. And that was, I, I was reading the book. It's written in Shakespearean language, which I love, but is also can be difficult to read. I was reading through it. I'm like, well, of course, of course. When was this book written? 1920? Yeah. And all of this stuff, like it hasn't changed. Technology and all the things haven't changed the basics of finance. So sorry, that was my very elaborate answer. The Richest <laughs> Man in Babylon. It is a fabulous book and everybody on earth should read it. That's awesome. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Track my spending. Hmm. I track what my- What do you use? Uh, you know what? I am so old. I use a notebook on the counter. Okay. And then I have, I have upgraded, but that's my favorite way. I just don't always come in the same door every time. So it doesn't work now, but in another house, I had a notebook on the counter and I would write down whenever I got home, this is how much money I spent because it is there in your face. Here's all the money. And I kept a running total. So mm. I could be, oh, it's the 15th of the month. And I've already filled up this entire notebook page and I've spent $2,500 and my budget is 3000 how do I go the rest, the other half of the month with only $500? Well, it turns out that most of my expenses are in the beginning, my mortgage, my utilities, all that stuff, you know, hits on the first, but now I know I only have $500 left. Now it's a game. How little can I spend? Um, I did transition to an online spender. I'm sorry, a, uh, a, it's on my phone. Oh, here it is. Uh, it's, I'm going to show you at the very top. It's these two buttons here. It's a Google form that I fill out whenever I'm like at the store spending money mm. and it it's customizable to me. I got the, the tips from <clears throat> a website called waffles on Wednesday. They no. have a spending tracker. Hmm. That's cute. They have a spending tracker article that's how it's how to set this up and how to put it on your phone. So you can oh. take a custom mobile spending tracker with you. I spend money on these things. So I have those categories and it's all filled out. I hit enter, it sends it to Google sheets. And then I've got my spreadsheet all ready for the month. And I love that. That is great. That's fabulous for on the go, but I don't see it in my face. Cause I never have to open up that spreadsheet. I have to actually purposely open up that spreadsheet if I want to see it. Whereas the notebook on the countertop is really, um, my, my accountability, 
But yeah, track your spending because if you don't know where your money's going, if you're not telling your money to go in a certain place, all of it will fly out of your pockets in random places. Absolutely. We're going to put the link for the article there so you guys can do the same. And last question is, which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Oh, wow. You know what? Helen Keller. And do you know that there's some people who think that Helen Keller is like not real? This is like, it's this weird thing. I don't even know how you can think that Helen Keller is not real. She was blind and deaf. And instead of sitting back and doing nothing, she, with the help of uh, the woman who was played by Patty Duke, I can't even remember what her name was, uh, the woman who taught her Mm -hmm. how to sign, she became this amazing person over all odds. I mean, I'm not blind or deaf and Helen is still accomplishing more than I am. No, I love that. I love, um, yeah, how can people not know Helen Keller was real, but that's an, that's another, another conversation for another podcast. Yes. Mindy, thank you so much for being on. You're, uh, love the new book that you and Scott wrote. Love what you guys do, Bigger Pockets. We appreciate you guys so much and appreciate you coming on our show for the second time. And uh, just keep up all the amazing work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you ladies soon. Thank Thank you, you. Mindy. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.